Welcome in to the inaugural edition of the Believe in Texas Rangers podcast. I am your host, Wyatt Huskins. It is great to be with you all. And before we get started, before we talk about these Texas Rangers, I want to give a quick shout out to the guys over at Believe for making this possible, allowing me to talk about my favorite team on a platform. So once again, thank you guys so much. Now, let's dive in to this team. We're going to be talking about it the rest of the season. The rest, the last month into the playoffs, I'm very excited to see where this team goes. It's an exciting time, just in general, to be a Texas Rangers fan. I know that that's been the discussion for most of the year. It's a little old at this point, right? Especially coming off uh, the streak that we just ended a few days ago. However, I'm still focused on the positives. We won last night, 4-3. to three. Tyler McGill gave us some trouble. Those first two times through the order, I was not expecting that to happen. To be fair, to be honest, am I paying attention to what the Mets are doing since, like, May? Nope, not a bit. I've been focused on this team. I've been focused on the Rangers. And with the, and with the Mets being the Mets, let's be honest, they're, they're doing... They're, they're so close to being the angels of the East. It's not even funny. Like this, this organization is going through some tough times. I digress. Tyler McGill really gave us some troubles through the first two times through the lineup. He had the breaking ball going early. A couple got a couple guys looking on that inside breaking pitch. Not really sure where the deception was coming from. I think it did. It had a lot of movement. And it was called a slider. I think he also threw a curveball a couple times. A lot of vertical movement on that slider instead of the, the normal horizontal vertical mashup that, that is the slider. So I think that gave the guys a lot of trouble the first couple times through the order. Thankfully, back-to-back singles to lead off. I want to say it was the fifth or sixth with Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager. Exactly what we're paying those guys to do, right? Especially when you stick them at the top of the order. Adolis Garcia comes in after Nathaniel Lowe hits into a double play. Gets gets a run across. And that kind of ignites... That, that changed the attitude of the game. Especially when John Gray comes in at the bottom of the inning and gives you that shutdown, that shutdown inning that we know he's capable of. We'll get to John Gray a little bit later. I want to focus on this offense first. And in these later innings with these guys that have been struggling, Ezekiel Duran, Leody Tavares, did Leody have his best game last night? No. He had an over, a couple strikeouts. It's tough. Over his last seven, he's hitting almost 260 with a over 800 OPS. I, I want to say it's it's close to 820 at this point. He is heating back up. This is the Leody Tavares that we've become accustomed to this season, hitting out of the nine hole. One of the best nine hole hitters in baseball. Came up short in the ninth, getting a strikeout, two guys striking out, Leody and then Simi. Simi's a little worse, right? It, fastball right down the middle from Trevor Gott. Trevor Gott with the, I think it was a cutter or maybe a hard slider at the top of the zone to get Leody. A pitch, you know, that top of the zone is not Leody's best friend. He's definitely a low ball hitter. And so in that situation, unfortunate that 
he comes up with the K. But that does not that should not take away from the fact that he is really turning it on these last few games. Ezekiel Duran, this dude just hits the ball hard. He is such an exciting player to watch. He can hit with two strikes. He gets the two strikes a lot. He can hit with two strikes. He can hit the ball hard. Really, really great setup. Jonah Heim single, pinch run with Josh Smith, and then intentionally walk Seager, which, by the way, is the correct move. But when this lineup is on, which for the most part, right, it has been, it has been on. The only thing that we have been struggling with lately, and it is when this team is bad, this is what happens. It's hitting with runners in scoring position. We have not had an issue with getting on base. Even when we're struggling, uh, there's going to be games, right? There's going to be certain games where you can't seem to buy a hit. You can't seem to get on base to help out your starting pitcher. This game and the games previously, and especially in that eight-game losing streak, we were able to get on base. And so once again, this happens. Once again, it seems like, oh my God, we're going to squander another opportunity. We're going to lose this game. But who else? Who else? But Nathaniel Lowe, a second-half monster. A second-half monster. Has his OPS up to 820, hitting 282. I know for a fact top tops among the leaders in the American League in terms of batting average. I think he has close to a 900 or better OPS in terms of the second half. I mean, what's really cool about recording a podcast is that you can just go and you have these pages open. If you're smart like me, and that way you can just check yourself. You can go in and you can say, okay, post-all-star break. Words are hard if you weren't aware. Nathaniel Lowe, 310, 399, and 510. And you walk, and you have to walk the best hitter on the planet. And yes, Corey Seager is the best hitter on the planet. More on that later. You have to walk him because otherwise, like you, you can't you can't justify having Corey Seager up at the plate with two outs in the top of the ninth when the winning run is on second base. You cannot justify it, no matter what. And when this lineup is on, and in the second half, when Nathaniel Lowe is scary to face, legitimately, because he can get a hit on almost any pitch. I think he still struggles with the high, really fast velo. But he's made adjustments to that this year, um, especially, I think, where it's reflected the most is in his on-base percentage. A little digression, right? Nathaniel Lowe hits the ball squarely. You send Zeke on from second. Great move by Tony Beasley, the, the slide. Can we talk about that slide for a second? Is Ezekiel Duran one of the most fun players to watch in all of baseball? Legitimately, I, I, he is a very young player. Does he do one thing way better than everybody else? No. Like, is he is he Shohei Otani? No. Is he, is he this guy that's, like, very exciting to watch? No. But he brings this joy and... I'm not going to say I'm not I'm not making a comparison between the two players. But the joy that Ezekiel Duran plays with reminds me very much of Elvis Andrews and Adrian Beltre. These guys just like to play baseball. And especially like you can see the differences when Zeke is DHing and when he's playing out in the field. He, this dude just wants to play. 
I think at the end of the day, he just wants to play. And when he has the opportunity, he's going to come through more times than not because of his ability to get the barrel on the ball. What helped us out in this situation? The speed. The speed was huge. That slide was so smooth. If if he is just a hair slower, if he doesn't have a wicked slide into home, Alvarez or Narvaez, excuse me, has that ball. Like he he has he has it as Zeke is sliding across home plate, give or take a few uh, like a second, and that play maybe ends up differently. So Nathaniel Lowe comes through. We make it to the ninth. Jose Leclerc who's been pitching lights out. He had a little bit of a hiccup last game. Only got two outs. I believe, let's see, did he give up a run? He he didn't give up a run, but walked and gave up a hit. Comes in, strikes out the first two guys he faces. On, By the way, those pitches to Daniel Vogelbach to get strike one and strike two on the outside corner were absolute dots. And Vogelback was not happy. He thought they were balls all the way. They were dots. They were in the zone. Jose Leclerc, in his last 30 games, according to MLB.com. So I'm going to assume it's right. A 2.25 ERA and a 1.0 whip. A 1.0 whip for Jose Leclerc, who started the season as the, as the closer, got demoted from that role. Really struggled, especially with the walks, having command of the strike zone, being confident in these high leverage situations. And now he's got a 225 over his last 30, a 172 over his last 15, hasn't given up a run in his last seven appearances, over seven and two thirds of an inning. Bruce Bochy made the right call last night, especially, especially with Pete Alonso le- leading off the inning. Righty on righty, you need that matchup. Jose Leclerc could be a weapon, is a weapon, could be. I don't know what I'm saying. He is a weapon out of the bullpen right now, right now. And hopefully he can carry that momentum into September, you know, and we'll get to more of the pitching here in a second. This bullpen has to figure it out, really needs to figure it out. I think we all know that. If you you watch this team, you know that. Uh, I believe the stat was before – before last night's game that the Rangers had more blown saves at 25 than they did saves at 24 now tied still unacceptable. Um, This bullpen needs to figure it out. And I think they will. I think uh, you see a guy like Jose Leclerc really get back to form and you have faith. You have faith that a guy, Will Smith, he's been really struggling in August. I think you will see his usage rate really, really come down while he works through whatever he needs to work through. You know, the first game that we really kind of saw this, his velo was down. I think that was kind of the assumption at first, or at least from, from you know, from certain people on Twitter, right? Um, however, you know, he's got, he seemed to have gotten that back. I, I think it's got to be a mechanical thing, it, and it's got to be. He is... Showing the ball a little too much. I, I'm not sure. I'm not. Heads up, guys. I'm not a pitching coach. I'm not a major league pitching coach, if you guys didn't know that by now. Um, it's It'll be interesting to see the work that they that they try to get in with him. Not that we'll be privy to it. However, 
um, when when it kind of sorts itself out, I'm sure they will share more details. Oh, we had to get this right. He wasn't doing this correctly. And we just needed to make that adjustment. I think Will Smith, the veteran guy that he is, will make that adjustment. When you look at the other guys in the bullpen, Aroldis Chapman, I think, is destined for this eighth inning role. I don't know what it is. You know, the mental error in Sunday's game, I don't think it's 100% on Aroldis Chapman. He just he just kind of missed, he missed that Jonah Heim called time. Should he should there there was a communication breakdown that I don't think is on any one person. I just think it was a collective thing, and it tied the game in the ninth, and then the Rangers ended up losing in, in extras. It's just it's just some something seems to be off with Aroldis in the ninth, and he has pulled it off before. He pulled it off the game prior to when. It wasn't a safe situation, but it very much warranted your closer being out there. I don't think we'll see uh, a roll this tonight again. I think it'll be probably some when it comes to the lefty situation tonight. Hey, Brock Burke, this is uh, this is your time to shine. You know, early in the season, Brock Burke could not. I think his struggles really came from the inability to get that fastball in on righties. He has since sorted that out, and I think he's been a little bit... He hasn't been bad. Let me clarify. It's just been a little bit up and down lately in terms of how good he can be. Can he? It's it's like between an average reliever and the Brock Burke we saw last year. And I have full confidence that he can be the guy we saw last year uh, down the stretch. Like I said, he's he's the ability... I think the the most important thing for him is the ability to locate that fastball more than anybody else in the bullpen is the ability to locate that fastball, uh, especially in on righties. That is a very important tool that he will need to use. So we we really need the rest of the guys to step up down there. Um, I, I don't know what Glenn Otto is going to give us out of the bullpen. I think, you know, I, by the way, this is a very quick tangent. If you guys want to keep up to date with minor league baseball, follow Tepid Participation on um, X. God, I hate saying that. It's Twitter, by the way. On Twitter, Tepid Participation. Shout out to him. He he keeps me informed through his post on almost anything that matters in the Texas minor league system. Glenn Otto, I don't really know what this guy's going to give us. I, I bring Tepid up because he brings up a an amazing point that he has that Glenn Otto has a wipeout, slider, sweeper, whatever you want to call it. That breaking pitch is is wickedly effective and you see a guy and he and tepid made this participation and i and i want to bring it up here because i it makes sense this one pitch slider guy glenn Otto, will smith in the same bullpen you maybe think that that they have these conversations especially it seems will smith is a very like open guy when especially when he's not in the game right when he's just he likes to goof around he likes to hang out and so when you have a situation with Glenn Otto, he has a similar one pitch that isn't his fastball. It's not his fastball. That's really good. And he can get a lot of swing and miss on that. Hopefully, Will Smith can teach him that mentality. Hey, man, don't be afraid to throw that pitch at any time. Just to get a strike. Throw it, throw it in the zone. Throw it out of the zone. Like That pitch plays. And if you just rely on that pitch. And you got to be able to mix in your other ones. Obviously, right? 
But I think a guy like like Will Smith will really help Glenn Otto, especially if Glenn Otto is, is able to have some success. And to round it off, Martin Perez last night really had the two-seamer working. Most of all, was able to get it really in, you know, on lefties and righties. Uh, had a hit-by-pitch there. But two solid innings, no hits, no walks, just the one hit-by-pitch. Martin, out of these, I think in these like short little two-inning bursts, maybe not the top of the lineup, right? And we'll have to see against a team that's not the Mets what exactly he can do. But these two-inning situations of, of hey, you need you need a guy who can go get you two innings. I think Martin could really excel in that situation. We saw what he could do last year. Uh, this year has been, it's been a down year, but who knows? Maybe the motivation of getting back into the bullpen. He spent some time there, I believe, in Boston. Maybe that that reinvigorates reinvigorates him, and and awakens him for the rest of the season. Our guy John Gray, nine Ks, gave up two bombs, the two biggest mistakes. Right, one fastball down the middle, one slider, I believe, down down the middle as well. As we pivot to the pitching. I know we just talked about the bullpen, but as we really dive into the pitching, right? Is John Gray that fourth guy? I know Dane Dunning has had an amazing season. Both out of the bullpen and in the rotation, but I I think that that may hurt Dane Dunning in the long run because John Gray, when he has this hard 89, 88-mile-per-hour slider working really well, he is dangerous. And if he keeps the ball in the middle of the zone, especially that fastball, he could be he could be a weapon in that fourth rotation spot. I, I it's going to be one of them because obviously Nathan Avaldi's coming back. It, it will be a little bit later than I think everybody anticipated. I think they mentioned on the broadcast either uh, last night or, or two nights ago that he had a little bit of tightness in his side, not the injury, not the not right tricep, but you know. A minor setback, I'm thinking, and he will be back. And and one of those two guys, I, I think Andrew Heaney, right, is is definitely the guy that comes out of the rotation when Nathan comes back. But once you hit the postseason, which knock on wood, we still make. I I I'm very confident that this team will figure it out. We have two major injuries right now, and a bull and a bullpen that has been really struggling. It's a 162 game season. It happens. It happens to everybody. Maybe not to this extent. The Rangers have had some really high highs and some really low lows, but this bullpen's going to figure it out. At least I think that Will Smith will. And he is such he's such an important piece for this pen. He has been for, for the whole season. And if Jose LeClerc's got it back, Josh Spores can be that, I mean, is he a little wild at times? Yes. Is Josh Spores a little wild at times, but he can be that guy when he needs to be back to this rotation situation. John Gray, once we get to this playoffs, could be a a wild card X factor in the fourth game of a long series. I'm not going to say which series. I'm just going to say a long one, right? I'm just saying. With this wicked, hard, 89-mile-per-hour slider, he can really do some damage against the lineup. Only four hits. Like I said, it's just the Mets. But you see, we've seen this potential up and down, especially 
if we do take back the division from the Seattle Mariners. I'm not saying it's going to happen. All I'm saying is that seven of our last ten games are against the Mariners. I think a lot of us know that. And so that's when we really need to pay attention to the division race. I think until then, you just kind of sit back and relax and watch some baseball and hope the Rangers can string together some series wins, which I think they will. I think this is a great start to this series. Uh, I, I believe we have Andrew Heaney on the mound tonight, and then we close the series with Dane Dunning. A little worried. I'm a little worried about tonight, but, you know, Dane, uh, not Dane, Andrew Heaney, Heen Dog, as he's affectionately known as, has the capability to turn it on. He he has the capability to give you the start that you need tonight. Will that same Andrew Heaney be on display? Who knows? Um, I think I think the reason he has such a short leash right now is because the the writing on the wall is that he is moving to the bullpen when Nathan Avaldi comes back. And in that situation, when you get moved to the bullpen, you don't. You're not going to have that long leash. I think Bruce is experimenting with it, seeing what the mentality of Andrew Heaney is like after this happens. He's he's Pete's pitched out of the bullpen before, but you want to see, you know, a guy who was kind of promised right the fifth starter spot when he was signed. You want to see how he re- reacts to getting moved to the bullpen at such a late time, right? He he's given a lot to this team, and you really appreciate that, but. When you have so many guys, when you have a guy like Max Scherzer and Jordan Montgomery who are pitching really well for this team, Jordan Montgomery especially so, you know, it's just it's just things have to happen the way they happen. So tonight, Andrew Heaney going against Jose Quintana. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm Mitch Garver probably getting back in the lineup tonight. Maybe give Jonah Heim a day off with a lefty on the mound. Probably see Robbie Grossman in the DH spot. Maybe play left field. Zeke definitely playing third base. So you probably get Grossman in left. Who knows? Or maybe JP Martinez in left. I would like to see him play more. I think that what we've gotten out of Travis Jankowski has been great. I want to say that right now. Do I think he's done performing well? I hope not. However, if he is, it's kind of time, I think, to to really move him to be that fourth outfielder outfielder spot and really give uh, J.P. Martinez some more time if you want, you know, if you want him to be the guy against righties. And then when Josh Young comes back, you can have Zeke be the guy against lefties. Or Zeke can be the full-time left fielder, and then you have Jankowski or J.P. Martinez available to come in in late innings. Not that Zeke is bad on defense, but those guys are really good. They've played outfield for a long time. So, you know, I'm not advocating to bench Travis Jankowski for the rest of the season, but it may be time, I think, to start slowing him down. In the starting lineup, like I said, I think Jonah gets a day off against the lefty. And hopefully, uh, Leoti, you know, Always a little bit better against lefties and righties. Hopefully he can continue to stay hot. Zeke can continue to stay hot. These guys who everybody was complaining about a couple weeks ago, and rightfully so, I think, especially with in Leoti's case, we've seen him be bad before. And and I think we got some PTSD. And so we were a little scared again. But he seems to be 
a different guy this year. Just different mentally, especially. You know, able. I think I don't think in previous years we would see this. I'm not going to call it right now a resurgence, a huge resurgence, but he's been a lot better over his last seven than he has been the last two months. So I don't think the Leoti of last year or the two years before would ever be able to come back from a struggle like this. Um, and it's great. It's just great to see that he can. So I'm really excited to see where he can go. We're going to end this one here on this last note. Evan Carter. One. Happy birthday, man. 21. And you're getting a promotion to AAA Round Rock to see what you can do. I think this is the perfect time. We realized, I, the organization realized, especially when he was playing through that hurt wrist and, and really wasn't that guy. He comes back. He get he gets the reps again. He get he gets healthy, um, and he and he reverts back to the Evan Carter that we know. I think this is a perfect time to see what he can do in this last month in AAA, and that and that really helps this organization make decisions in the off season and in spring training. I know I know we're a long way away from that, but we're talking Evan Carter here, number one prospect in the organization. He's not going to be up this year. It would take a devastating injury or two to bring him up this year. But if he can perform this last month in AAA, if Round Rock ends up making the the playoffs, I'm going to I'm going to be really honest, I don't know what they're looking like in terms of minor league playoffs. Um if he can perform well, then I think next year he starts spring training, major league club option down to AAA, no matter what happens. I, I'm going to be honest, no matter what happens. He could have the best spring of his life. And it's just, I don't think he's making the team to start the day, uh, even with a month and a month and maybe some change of some great baseball. Um, I think he starts next year in AAA. And then, you know, we see how next season plays out. And we could see an Evan Carter debut by, if it's a major injury to start the year in May, potentially, if not, in June or July, maybe August of next year, which is really exciting. This guy, I think he's he's somebody that this team desperately needs, can take pitches. Not that we have, we don't have guys who do this, right? Especially with the emergence of Nate Lowe being this really patient on-base guy at on first. Marcus Simeon has a mix of of that, right? It's not his go-to, but as a leadoff guy, he's he's really cognizant of it. And he likes to mix that in with with his ability to hit the ball hard and, and and drive the ball out of the ballpark. Corey Seager, you know, not a guy who's real patient. Adolis Garcia has become that guy. Jonah Heim, Mitch Garver sharing that catcher role, both patient guys. But then once you get to later on, um, especially with the young guys like Leody and Duran, with a guy like Evan Carter potentially playing left field at some point next year, will be really good to stick in that nine hole and to be on base a lot for Marcus Simeon coming up in the leadoff spot. I think we're going to leave it there. I think I feel I've talked about this game well enough for long enough, diving in a little bit to each, not every player, but giving you a deep dive on my thoughts on most of the players. Corey Seager, by the way, I know I said we mentioned it later and I didn't get to it, is the best hitter on the planet. I think by the time he qualifies, he will be the MLB leader in average. I think Luis Arise. As good as he is, I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he can beat Corey Seager. This guy is on another stratosphere when it comes to hitting a baseball. We lost the bat last night. I don't know if 
everybody was keeping up with it. I know the Bally's broadcast was, and they were bringing it up, but that bat was rough looking because it hadn't broken a while. And its last act was to give Corey Seager an infield single and the first act of his new bat, a hard hit single to right field. That's going to do it for this edition of the Believe in Texas Rangers podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you've made it to this point, thank you. It's going to be a very interesting ride down the stretch. Be sure to like, subscribe, follow, whatever you do to keep up with your podcasts. I ask you to do to keep up with this amazing Texas Rangers team to see where we'll go. Excited to see Nathan Avaldi back soon. Excited to get Josh Young back in the lineup. Jonah Heim seems to be figuring it out after this injury. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And until then, until the next one, make it a good one.